Welcome back to the Mike and Andrew Show. I'm Andrew Serwick here again with Mike Meredith. Mike, a uh, lot to talk about NFL today, um, but uh, how are you doing today, bud? Pretty good, man. Just getting prepared here for the playoffs and all that football has in store for this next month or so. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh, interesting next month uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. But uh, we got the wild card round first, so let's get into it. Saturday, we have two games, uh, both AFC wild card games here. Uh, the first game, 430, we have the Texans hosting the Browns. Uh, the Browns, a two-point favorite coming into this game. Um, look, the Texans have been playing Really, really good football, really all year. Um, CJ Stroud has been elite, but even when you have such an elite quarterback, they still struggle to get to 20 points a lot, uh, even with CJ Stroud playing very, very good. The defense looks good. Uh, Browns, on the other hand, uh, Joe Flacco's been playing out of his mind outside of you know the interceptions he keeps throwing, but... Um, this is going to be a good game. This is going to be a very close game. I'm going to have to go with the Browns, though. Uh, they're a lot more experienced of a team. They've A lot of these guys have been in the playoffs. Uh, the Texans team, on the other hand, hasn't played you know, uh, in the playoffs before. So um, I think the experience is going to help the Browns out here. I also think their defense is just a lot better than what the Texans have. And the Browns have been very, very red hot lately. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to roll with the Browns here, and they'll cover that two points. Yeah, I'm going with the Browns as well. This pains me because I really do like both these teams. I think the Browns have such an underrated team, and same with the Texans, but the Texans, they're still so young. Rookie head coach, rookie QB, you know, I don't think they figure it out, you know, and get clicking immediately in the playoffs. That's really tough to do, especially in your first season. I think the Browns just more experienced. They've been here before, uh, back a few years ago. So uh, Flacco as well has a lot of playoff experience as well. Just think that kind of leans in their favor. I think the only thing that Houston really has going for them is that they are at home for this game. But I think the Browns win this. I do think it will be somewhat close. I think Houston will keep this somewhat close. But in the end, the Browns are going to win this one. Yeah, I think Houston can keep it close, but, you know, uh, Browns have the ultimate, you know, uh, trump card in this game, and that's a QB with uh, with playoff experience. Um, and obviously we know Joe Flacco has a ton of that, uh, considering he has a, you know, a ring to his name. Uh, and then the Saturday night game, Chiefs hosting the Dolphins. Kansas City, a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Um Look, Kansas City, they have issues with catching the ball. Uh, their defense, very, very good. Dolphins, uh, you know, the offense has been very, very good all year. Their defense, not so good. But on the road, they are not a very good team. Um, they just they just, just cannot win at, uh, on the road. Uh, and Arrowhead, it's such a hard place to uh, to go and win at. Um, that said, I I I I want to pick the Dolphins because I think their offense could pick this team apart. But I I have to go with the Chiefs. As much as I hate to pick them, it's such a hard place to win at Arrowhead. And when your defense can't really do anything, anyways, you know. Yeah, God God help you. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs, but I don't. But I think Miami will cover that four and a half. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a very close game because um, obviously we know Kansas City has a lot of problems with their offense, but um, it, it's a home game for Kansas City, and the Dolphins on the road are terrible, so got to go with the Chiefs here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well just because you know the weather favors them, and they also have that playoff experience where Miami doesn't really have much. But I would love to see Miami pull off this upset. I think it'd be great. It would go crazy. Just the internet would go crazy. It'd be fun. Yeah, it would be very, very uh, interesting for sure. Um, 
Sunday, we got three games. Uh, the last of the AFC uh, games will lead us off at 1 o'clock. The Bills hosting the Steelers. Buffalo, a 10-point favorite in this game. Uh, lots of experience on this Buffalo team, of course. Um, the Steelers, you know, they have experience, but I, I, just, I don't think they have the talent. At, at this point, you know, the Steelers, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have... You know, you know that elite, you know, receiving core that they used to have. They just have really nothing here. And the Bills, you know, a lot more playoff experience, deeper playoff experience than the Steelers team. I gotta roll with the Bills here, but ten, man, that's that's asking a lot out of out of this team, who you know can't who who's been very bad against the spread actually uh, this year. So I'm gonna go with the Bills, but I think the Steelers cover that ten points. Yeah, it's tough because um, they, you know, Steelers, they find a way to keep things close. And they, um, you know, they have Mike Tomlin there. But the Bills are just a way better team. And they have that playoff experience as well. They've gone, they've had some deep playoff runs, haven't been able to get to the Super Bowl just yet with this core that they have but I think that they do win but I think the Steelers do cover as well I think they just find a way to keep it closer than that 10 points even though I do think the Steelers are the worst team in the playoffs no nah, I think the Bucks are the worst team in the play maybe even the Packers I, mm, nah. I don't know man I I, I don't I, 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 I think I, yeah that's true but yeah um yeah, no. and they have no TJ Watt. Either. That's that's also true. Yeah, never mind. I think I think yeah, the, the Bills might actually cover that ten without you know Watt on the other side. Uh, the four thirty game, we have the Cowboys hosting the Packers. Uh, Dallas, a seven point favorite in this game. Uh, here's something interesting though. Uh, the Packers, uh, they've won uh, four out of the last five games that they've played in Dallas. Um, they have obviously a very elite level quarterback right now. Um, I, well, not, I wouldn't say elite, but very, very good quarterback right now out with Jordan Love, who's been stellar the last few weeks. They've also won nine of the last, nine out of the last 10 matchups total between these two teams. Um, it's kind of like Seattle with the Lions. They just have the Lions figured out for some reason. I'm going to go with the Packers here. I think Cowboys might just end up choking here and you know like I said the Packers have the Cowboys number um, I'm gonna be a big Green Bay fan here uh, this week I I, I my, my brain says the Cowboys will win my heart says the Packers will win I really want the Packers to win I, I but I'm gonna pick them anyways I just I feel like this is one of those games where Dallas is you know super heavy favorite and they're just gonna fall apart like they always do in the playoffs yeah, man, this is so tough, man, because I want Dallas to win for the sole reason that if the Lions, when we face Dallas, and we can beat the shit out of Dallas and get that win we deserve after that bullshit that happened uh, in weeks, what was it, 17, week 17. But then again, it's like, fuck Dallas. I don't even want them to get out of the first round. I'd rather Green Bay just beat them in the first round and then we get either – uh, Tampa or the Eagles. So, man, go Pack Go, baby. Go Pack Go. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously the Pack, uh, you know, not the greatest team, but they found their way into the playoffs this year. Jordan Love, he's been red hot. I, I really hope the Packers win, man, because it would just be fantastic. As much as I want revenge, you know Jerry Jones is going to rig that game so the Lions lose at, at uh, on the road in Dallas again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sunday night game, Lions-Rams. Uh, Jared Goff facing off with the team that left him for dead. Stafford returning home for the first time since the trade. Um, I really, really, really hope that the Lions don't do a welcome back thing for Stafford. I, I hope they save that for the home game against the Rams next year. Don't put any emotion no. into this at all. Yeah. Uh, don't let, let I, I, I really hope, 
you know, people aren't, you know, cheering for Stafford because there are some Lions fans that will. Uh, I, I saw, uh, I, I heard earlier um, today that, that the Twin Peaks in Livonia, uh, Michigan, they're, they're uh, if you bring in your old Stafford jersey, you can get a, a St. Brown, a Goff, or a Hutchinson jersey uh, for free, and, and they'll, they'll trade that uh, Stafford jersey for it. Um, yes, sir. Give me, uh, give me a Hutch jersey. Man. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. If you have a Stafford jersey, go, go trade it. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Goff, I think is super, super motivated to beat this team uh, that left him for dead. I mean, they they literally told him to go fuck himself in the playoffs and and benched him in the playoffs. Um, and then traded traded to get Stafford and went on to go and win the Super Bowl. Um, Goff is super motivated more than anyone t- uh, to play this game or, or to beat the Rams. Um, obviously, no Sam Laporta for the Lions. He got injured. Um, he said he might be able to play, but I just don't see that happening. Um, he, it might be a game-time decision, but I just I, I say just rest him. I think Ben Johnson's smart enough to make a scheme to not have to use him. Um, I think the Lions win this game. They're a much better team. The defense is concerning, considering that we have no secondary still. Uh, But the offense obviously could keep up because the Rams' defense is garbage. Um, But if we can get a couple key stops, this is going to be a very high-scoring game, I think. Um just because the Lions' offense is elite. The Rams' offense is pretty damn good. Uh, you know, obviously, Nakua and Cup, they're, I mean, Cup's always wide open for some reason. No one knows how to cover him. Um, but I, I just think that you're going to see the most perfect game out of Gajera Goff that you ever will because he's, like I said, super, super motivated to beat the Rams uh, this week. So I'm picking the Lions. I think they can cover that three-point spread, uh, but it's going to be close. I think it's going to be within at least a score uh, for this game. Yeah, I think it's going to be close too. I I know I definitely value the Rams a little bit more than you. I feel like I'm I'm kind of nervous, man, but I'm I have faith. I just I'm really worried about Cup and Nakua, man. I'm really hoping that uh, our D line can get to Stafford and pressure him so he doesn't have enough time because you know Cup and Naku are going to get open man they just they're going to run around our secondary I feel but as long as we can get pressure on Stafford and do everything else we can do to scheme up a strong offense with Laporta probably being out I think that the Lions can take this but it's going to be a close one I think so I saw an interesting stat uh, if we could put pressure on Stafford, we're going to win this game because Stafford, when under pressure, has the 27th uh, best uh, passer rating uh, while under pressure. He is not good under pressure this year. He's 27th in the league um, when under pressure as a passer. Uh, he, he misses targets a lot when he's under pressure this year. Um, get him scrambling and... Yeah, he's he's not very accurate. So um, if the Lions can get some pressure on him, which I think they very well can, I think the Lions will have no problem here. And then Monday night, the last NFC uh, wildcard game, you have the Bucks hosting the Eagles. The Eagles, a three-point favorite in this game. They are floundering right now. Um, they They just cannot win. Jalen Hurts keeps getting, you know, a different injury every single game that they play. Um, the defense is horrible. Um, there's there's a lot of questions concerning coaching right now for the Eagles. Uh, Sirianni, you know, people are saying he might get fired if they don't win this weekend. Um, on the other hand, the Bucks they should they should be a lot better record-wise. Um, than they are. Uh, I feel like they are a stronger team than their you know nine and eight record shows. Um, that said, they still play in the least serious division in, in the, the league right now. Um, but 
I don't know, man. It's going to be a close game. I'm going to pick the Eagles just because I think overall they are the mu- a much better team. But I, I feel like the Bucks can pull off a big upset here just because of how bad the Eagles have been uh, over the uh, the last seven, eight weeks now. Yeah, this is tough. You had told me like six weeks ago, Eagles are going to play Tampa in the first round, and I would even be considering Tampa. I'd be like, bro, you are crazy. Like, did Jalen Hurts get freaking injured for the rest of the season? Like, what are we doing here? But no, I think Tampa, man. I think I, I think I'm going to roll with Tampa here. The Eagles just they are the coldest team going into the playoffs right now. They have no momentum at all. I think this is going to be the nail in the coffin for Sirianni, man. They're going to get rid of Sirianni after this game. Baker, I think, is going to pop off and have a a strong performance, prove a lot of those hairs wrong that he has. And, yeah, the Eagles go home early, man. There's always a there's always an upset, man. That's why I'm hoping it's not the Lions. Hopefully it is the Eagles, man, because there's always that one team that just does not show up when they should. Yeah, um, there's always an upset playoff or wild card weekend, but I really hope it's not the Lions. I really hope it is Tampa Bay, but I just I just don't see it. But it could also be you know the Packers over the Cowboys because you know Cowboys like to choke in the playoffs, you know. But uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for uh, matchups for this week. Obviously, uh, Baltimore and San Francisco on a bye week. Uh, so, Mike, we're going to do a little uh, blitz here. Uh, I'm going to give you nine teams. This is from uh, from ESPN. Uh, it's NFL's contenders, biggest weaknesses. It's, uh, it's nine teams. Um, you're going to guess what their weakness is, and then... Um, and then you're gonna, and then we're gonna, you know, talk about it a little bit. Uh, so number nine, uh, this is going to be an order of like, uh, of, uh, this, whoever wrote this article, uh, Bill Barnwell. Um, it's, uh, it's reverse order in what he thinks or, or is the, uh, the, pro, uh, their chances of winning the Super Bowl. Um, so we're going to start number nine, Cleveland Browns. What do you think is their biggest weakness? The biggest weakness for the Browns, in my opinion, I think it's just going to be getting offense. I think Flacco is, you know, good enough, and he's been putting up big games, but their defense is how they're going to win their games. I mean, the Browns right now are not going to beat you on offense. That's not their strongest suit. I think that's their weak point, man, just the offense. So the so what he has, their, their biggest weakness is – turnovers on offense uh the uh the browns have turned over the ball 12 times across their last five games and flacco's responsible for nine of those turnovers um and uh two of those were pick sixes as well um so uh i I i think if joe flacco can slow down you know just a little bit stop turning the ball over, the Browns will have no issue going through the playoffs because their defense is really, really good. It's just their offense keeps giving up a lot of points because of these turnovers. Uh, lots of lots of fumbles, too. But, you know, Joe Flacco's really the big problem in terms of turnovers for this Browns offense. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that bad over the last few games here. Yeah, they are, yeah, not very good. Uh, number eight, he's got them at a 1% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, what do you think the Rams' uh, biggest flaw is? Biggest flaw with the Rams? Ah, uh, man, this is tough. I'm either going to go with secondary or offensive line, I feel like, is their two weakest points on the team. So he's got their biggest flaw, kicking. Uh, they, they are, I guess I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Uh, 80.7% on their field goal and extra point attempts this year, which is 31st in the league. Um, only the Patriots have had a worse, uh, kicking percentage, uh, than them. Um, yeah, no, look, uh, lots of missed points on the board. It's 
part of why they lost so many games that they did this year. A lot of close games that they lost because they couldn't make extra points and field goals this year. Um, not good. Um, they uh, the, the team overall has gotten better as the year's gone on, obviously, but kicking just has been garbage across the board all year long. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, number seven, Philadelphia Eagles, 1.9% chance to win the Super Bowl. What do you think their biggest flaw is? I think he's going to go with coaching. Uh, well, sort of. It's uh, it's the pass defense. Um, they are uh, they're 29th in QBR allowed uh, this year uh, between – Nestled right between the Bengals and the Giants. Um, they've allowed 34 touchdown passes um, this year, which is, I believe, the second most in the league. Um, they're, they're 29th in, in QB pressure and 25th in sack rate uh, overall this year. Yeah, the pass defense, very, very, very bad uh, this week uh, or for, for, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this year. Um, number six, the Detroit Lions. Uh, 2.2% chance to win the Super Bowl. Uh, what do you think their biggest flaw is? Our biggest flaw? Hmm. I mean, we we have a couple. I mean, I could I go with the turnovers with Goff if he's having one of those games? Our secondary isn't the best at points. Kicking as well hasn't been that great. Our kickers missed a lot of a lot of kicks, easy kicks. We don't have the best kicker. I'm gonna go with one of those three. So what is it? Uh, it's none of the above, actually. Uh, it's beating pressure. Uh, Jared Goff, um, 77.3 QBR without pressure this season, uh, which is third best for uh, for any quarterback. However, uh, mm-hmm. under pressure. He has an 8.8 QBR, uh, which is 26th in the league, uh, and that's below even Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Um, you know, with their uh, well un- under pressure, uh, Jared Goff under pressure, not good. But when the offensive line is healthy, he doesn't face a lot of pressure, which is obviously a, a good you know sign to see. But uh, yeah, beating pressure, probably the Lions' biggest weakness right now, and I would have to agree. It's either that or I think kicking, really, because not not good at all. Yeah, I got to agree with that philosophy about Goff because the whole philosophy around Goff is that he needs a good team around him to win, and, I mean, same holds true for the offensive line. If they can't block and he's running, you know, Goff can't run for shit, man. He's, he's going to be pressured, and if he has to hurry up and throw, like, yeah, it's not going to be good. That's where a lot of turnovers come from, I feel like. So, yeah, the offensive line, Decker, Ragnar, Sewell, all of them, Jackson, need to be rock solid for the game. Yeah, no, they uh, they really do. Jared got – I mean, he can win a Super Bowl when everything's going perfectly, right? Like, he, he is – he's just that game manager. And game managers, people like – like, they think it's like a, a bad – thing to be called a game manager as a quarterback, but that's not true at all. Game managers can and will win you Super Bowls. I mean, look at the ultimate game manager in Tom Brady, for example. Um, but yeah, you put the right things around Goff, and he is elite. But soon as you don't have, you know, Taylor Decker or Frank Ragnow, he gets put under a lot of pressure, and he's garbage. Um and and you know he, he's he's not a mobile quarterback whatsoever, um, you know, so so that definitely doesn't help him at all with that. But he's gonna have his full offensive line in front of him, so I don't think that will be much of an issue uh, this week. Uh, number five, Miami Dolphins. He's got him at a three point eight percent chance to win the Super Bowl. What do you think their uh, their biggest flaw is? Man. I would say, I don't even know if he's going to mention this, but for me, Miami, uh, just not being able to finish games, man. They struggle with uh, 
performing like they always go off it seems like at first and then they just kind of fall apart so just not giving up uh leads when they have them and not falling apart after like the first quarter so their biggest flaw red zone defense is what he has as their biggest flaw um they uh they have a 68.2% touchdown rate, uh, which is fifth worst in the NFL when teams are inside um, the 20 yard line. Um, at, no, it's uh, no 67.3%. My bad. Um, it's 68.2 when a team is inside um, or over the last five games. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I completely agree. They are one of the worst, um, you know, red zone defenses in the league by far. I mean, their defense overall is not that good, but once you get them in the red zone, they have absolutely nothing. Um, it's complete opposite of a bend, but don't break, uh, defense essentially where, um, they're, they're not allowing, or they're not, they're getting teams down into the red zone and then, Instead of stopping them and forcing them to kick a field goal, they're still get those teams are getting touchdowns against them. Um, if if things were to change, if they figure out something defensively, at least in the red zone, they could win this game against uh, Kansas City. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do that in over in just a week of preparation. Yeah, a week of preparation probably ain't going to be enough. Uh, number f- number four, the Kansas City Chiefs, four point two percent chance to uh, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I think their flaw is pretty obvious, but uh, yeah. what do you think it Drop is? Passes, drop passes. Yep, you are absolutely correct. Their Chiefs flaw catching passes. Um, Mahomes been pretty goddamn accurate, uh, but. Overall total, the team has dropped 7.5% of the passes thrown their direction, uh, which is the worst in the league by a very, very comfortable margin. Um, it is it is something that's um, been a problem since game one, obviously. Kadarius Tony helped the Lions win, the, uh, uh, win in week one. Um, you know, it, it's it's a big problem. Uh, everyone is dropping ca- uh, passes. Even Travis Kelsey has dropped a few this year. Um, he, he's been a lot less efficient this year, too. Um, maybe, you know, that's a Taylor Swift effect there. Uh, but overall, yeah, no, the Chiefs just keep dropping passes, and I don't think it's going to get any better for the Chiefs in the playoffs because if it hasn't gotten better since week two or three, it ain't going to get better. Yeah, it ain't going to get better. They just need to overhaul all of the wide receivers on that team from next season. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, number three, he's got the Dallas Cowboys, 11.9% chance to win the Super Bowl. What do you think their flaw is? Choking in the playoffs. Okay, no, but seriously, no. <laughs> nah, uh, man. What does Dallas not do that well? Like, Dak has been better at not turning the ball over, so I don't think it's going to be turnover. CeeDee Lamb's been a number one receiver, so the receivers have been pretty good. Micah Parsons on defense. I, I'm i trying to draw in a blank here, man. It's, uh, it's the rush defense. Um, it's why the Lions were able to keep it so close with them. Um, the Lions were running the ball a lot in that game, but... They are 31st in defensive success rate against the run, which means opposing offenses stay ahead of schedule or pick up first downs or touchdowns on the ground at the NFL's second highest rate in the league. Um, They are, um, yeah, very, very terrible against the run this year. Um, Week three against the Cardinals, um, they ran the ball 30 t- or the uh, the Cardinals ran the ball 30 times for 222 yards and two touchdowns um the 12th most rushing yards in a single game all season um the uh, the Niners ran it on them 41 times for 171 yards um you know 
it is it's their biggest flaw for sure. I mean, they cannot stop the run. Their offense elite, their pass defense is really good um, because they have a really elite level secondary. Uh, but yeah, they just cannot stop the run up the middle uh, on the outside edges. It doesn't matter where you run it. They cannot stop the rush for some reason. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. Would have thought they would have been better against the run, but I guess not. So, number two, he's got the Baltimore Ravens, a 28.9% chance to win the Super Bowl. What do you think their biggest flaw is? Another team, man. Um, for me, I'm going to go with rushing. I feel like because they lost J.K. Dobbins, they're going to say rushing. Uh, somewhat related to rushing, yes. Um, it's fumbles. Um, the Ravens at home league average, uh, uh, 3.8% uh, drop rate in their in their victories, 8.7% uh, across all of their losses, um, which is the worst uh, mark in football by a huge margin. They are they drop they fumble the most out of any team. Um, they fumble on about 2% of their offensive snaps this year, um, which is well over the league average. Um, but, uh, they fumbled 13 times in 13 of their victories. Um, and they fumbled eight times in all three of their losses. Just absolutely, uh, terrible, uh, in terms of just being able to protect the ball. But that that can be fixed very easily through some tougher coaching. But, uh, yeah, I, I, outside of that, I don't see a flaw in this team. Yeah, not much flaws to go off of with these, uh, with this team. And then number one, the San Francisco 49ers, 34.9% chance to win the Super Bowl. What do you think their biggest flaw is? 49ers' biggest flaw. Hmm. I mean, does this team really have any flaws? Like as a roster, I don't know where they where they're messing up, man. Uh, their uh, their biggest flaw that they have is interceptions. I was gonna say that because I was like, last one was fumbles. I I'm thinking if anything, it might be interceptions because Purdy sometimes if he has a bad game, it's really bad. Yeah, uh, in his four losses, um, he threw nine interceptions and 121 or 120 pass attempts uh which is a 7.5% uh, interception rate um obviously interceptions will happen more in losses than they will victories um his rate uh for interceptions um is twice the league average in losses uh, at 2.9% so he is double the league average um for his rate of interceptions in all losses uh, across the league, which is very, very terrible. Um, you know, if he can, you know, it's kind of like, uh, like what I said with uh, Joe Flacco, if he can just slow down a little bit, he won't have to worry about throwing um, uh, all these interceptions. Um in his twelve in the in the twelve victories that they have this year, um, he has an interception rate of zero point six percent, which is pretty damn good. But which is way below league average at one point four percent across victories uh, in the league. Which, yeah, very very solid there. But if, if the Niners can just protect the ball, man, I think they have absolutely no issue uh, getting to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, they limit the interceptions. I don't see any weak point that they have. Yeah, absolutely. So that is going to do it for our uh, for the uh, pl- uh, Super Bowl contenders blitz uh, thing. Uh, so now, Mike, let's get into it. Uh, yesterday or today uh, came official uh, Bill Belichick leaving the Patriots. Uh, we have a lot of coaches, obviously, getting fired and leaving. Uh, there's eight coaching vacancies right now in the NFL, so let's uh, let's get into it a little bit. Yeah, man. 
Uh, Belichick gone. Saban. Pete Carroll kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, wasn't expecting that. Uh, those, for me, are the three big ones. Yeah, obviously, uh, Nick Saban leaving Alabama. I know that's not NFL, but uh, obviously that is huge. Um, obviously, yeah, I mean, the, the greatest college football coach of all time is Nick Saban. I don't think anyone can argue that. I mean, nine championships at Bama. Um, just absolutely insane what he was able to do uh, with that program. Uh, those are some big shoes to fill at Bama. I don't know who's going to go there. Uh, I heard, you know, uh, I heard Urban Meyer was a name being thrown around to go to Bama. If that's the case, Georgia fans, buckle up because you're still not going to beat Bama. But if it's anyone else, I've heard Dabo Sweeney. Oh, no. Dabo would not do well in the SEC because he doesn't like the way NIL is done and handled and how, you know, the SEC handles all of that stuff. He's not good. That that program would get torched to the ground with Dabble behind the wheel, I feel like, because just because, you know, the, the way these teams handle NIL and recruiting and the transfer portal stuff, he doesn't do it. He does it the old way still. He doesn't want to adapt to it. He's not going to be able to keep that. Uh, that program competitive, I think. So I think it'd be best to not have Dabo at all. Um, finding someone who could do it, though, is going to be tough. I feel like Kalen DeBoer could do it, but I don't think he's ready for the SEC personally. Um, he's not even ready to be in the Big Ten, to be honest with you. Obviously, Michigan proved that uh, Monday night. Cough, cough, sneeze, sneeze. Um and, People, I also heard like Ryan Day being thrown out there. I don't think that would happen for one. And even if it did, yeah, Bama's never winning again. Yeah, that's Ryan Day is a joke. Yeah, crying Ryan. Um, but yeah, um, obviously Bill Belichick is the biggest you know storyline now. I mean, yesterday obviously was Nick Saban, but now today Belichick retiring or not retiring, but leaving the Patriots at least. Yeah, um, that's that's big, big news. Um, I, I think we might see Vrabel come and uh, take that job over. I mean, obviously, I believe he used to play for the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he's obviously a really, really good coach. And so I, I feel like it would be just a great fit for him. Uh, and he's gonna get a head coaching job somewhere. I don't think anyone. I don't think he's not gonna get a job because um, he's just that good of a coach. But um, obviously, there's a ton of vacancies. Washington's, you know, open. Carolina's open. I, if I was anyone, if I was smart, I am not interviewing for Carolina because their owners fired like five coaches over the last four years. Something stupid like that. Like, yeah, it, it's owner owner. Ownership ownership is absolutely stupid. Uh, I would not touch that Carolina job with a ten foot pole because you're only going to have job security for only a year, apparently. Because, uh, like I said, five coaches in the last four years just absolutely embarrassing. Um, Chargers job is open. Chargers job is interesting because they at least have a quarterback. None of these other teams that are open have a quarterback. The problem with the Chargers is they have no weapons to go with that quarterback. Um, but they have some decent draft capital, so I, I think that's probably the most attractive job um, in terms of just you know draft capital, having a quarterback, things like that. And plus it's in uh, L.A. The only problem is, is you have no fans because no one wants you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is kind of really it, um, unless you got anything else you want to add about uh, – you know, any of these other coaches that are, uh, you know, gone or whatever. Yeah, not much. I mean, Vrabel, I think, will definitely land somewhere, um, like we mentioned. Ron Rivera, he's a veteran. He might be going somewhere. But I know he's had health issues in the past, so he might just, you know, lay low. Uh, who else? Who? I mean... Do not fucking hire Brandon Staley anywhere near the NFL again. That guy needs to just go. 
if he even is being considered anywhere. I don't think for head coaching. I'd, I'd, I'd hope not. No, I I, th- I think Staley could probably land a job somewhere as a defensive coordinator, but that's yeah, probably about it. Defensive coordinator. But I for me, I wouldn't even hire him on the team at all. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, yeah, that's about it. I mean, Arthur Smith. Uh, I don't really see him really going anywhere. He's gone. Uh, speaking of Arthur Smith, though, uh, the Falcons, that's a very, very attractive spot, too, because outside of outside of having a quarterback, you have a very good defense, and you have Bijan, and you have Pitts, and you have some really good receivers. That's a very attractive job, and they have, you know, they they just need to get a quarterback. Uh, so I, I, there's that's an attractive job, too. Yep, I've uh, seen a lot of mock drafts with them taking Bo Nix. So that could be their QB, but they got to take a QB. Some QB's got to be taken in the draft for the Falcons. Yeah, they they got to take someone in the draft. I don't think they're going to be able to find anyone. But if if the Bears are done with uh with with Fields, you you yeah. put field, you put yeah. Fields on that team, that team's instantly better. You honestly, a lot of these teams without quarterbacks right now, you put Fields on their team, their team's going to be better. Fields as much would go hard. I would like that. Yeah, Fields isn't a terrible quarterback. He's serviceable. Uh, you know, maybe a, a, a coach that's very good with quarterbacks could probably you know help him out, make him better. But Fields would have a ton of weapons and a very good run game and a good offensive line and a defense that can actually play. So I think if Fields is done with Chicago. I'd be trying to go to, or you know, if I'm if I'm Atlanta, I'm I'm gonna try to make a call uh, to uh, to Chicago, see what they're gonna do in the draft. Yeah. So switching over now to the NHL, Mike, I want to get your opinion on this, but I'm gonna have to ramble a little bit here first. Um, give give some backstory, and then I want to get your opinion on this. So right now we have kind of like a an escalation war between Minnesota and Winnipeg right now. Uh, basically long, long, the long story or the short story of it is, uh, Kaprizov got hurt. Uh, Minnesota went to, you know, try and get, you know, their revenge back as you do in hockey. Uh, Hartman high sticks Perfetti in the face, uh, uh, off of a face off. Um, and Perfetti was not even part of the, uh, um, the play. That got Kaprizov hurt, um, but uh, then uh, they were talking about it on Sportsnet. I mean, th- and this happened uh, last week. All, all this stuff happened last week. Um, uh, Jamal Meyer or Jamal Mayers, uh, who used to play for Chicago, he was a big, you know, goon uh, back when he played. Uh, says next time that Winnipeg plays Minnesota, he should go and get his revenge back. Um, problem is, is if this keeps escalating and the NHL doesn't do anything about it, uh, we could see something that ha- uh, that happened uh, back in 2004 happen, um, and we don't want to see that. So let's let's go back to 2004 because I'm gonna I want to tie the tie it into this. Um, so February 16th, 2004, uh, Steve Moore injures uh, at the time the NHL leading scorer uh, Marcus uh, Nasland, um, and there's no penalty called on the play. Um, it was, it was kind of a head hunting play, uh, but yeah, no call, uh, on the ice, which is, you know, not very good. Canucks fans upset, Canucks teammates, uh, upset. Um, Brian Burke, who was the, uh, the GM at the time, uh, said, said, and I quote, um, uh, it was a marginal player going after a superstar with a head hunting hit. Um, and then Brad May, which is one of, uh, 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 Naslin's uh, teammates uh, basically put a bounty out on uh, on Steve Moore. Um, so basically, yeah, you you have this big situation, uh, and Naslin a- after this play was never the same player again. Okay, um, March third uh, uh, of that year, uh, that it's the the Canucks and Avs they face off again. Uh, Naslin plays. Um, but it ends in a tie. Uh, Bettman was at the attendant, or was in attendance for this game because you know they they felt like this was gonna you know this could escalate into something big. You have these bench clearing brawls that were allowed at the time. 
Um, but but nothing happened because you know Bettman's there. It's kind of like you know the parents you know at the game you gotta you know behave for for dad. But they play each other five days later, March eighth. Um, uh, Steve Moore fights Matt Cook. Uh, one of one of the four fights just in the first period uh, in that game. Um, it was it was a five zero uh, game with the Avs leading after one period. Um, the league instructs the refs about the physicality uh, during uh, the first intermission um, because things could escalate very, very quickly. Um, uh, the uh, the Avs go up 8-2. Um, and then uh, in the third period, Todd Bertuzzi, uh, obviously we, you as a Red Wings fan know uncle to, uh, to Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, he sucker punches Steve Moore and knocks him out, uh, and he falls to the ice, and there's a huge dog pile um, after this. And uh, Steve Moore never played a game of hockey again after this because um, he like had a ton of you know brain damage and facial injuries because of this uh, attack from Todd Bertuzzi. Um, so the NHL had to step in. They got rid of a lot of these you know bench clearing brawls and stuff. They they got on top of it pretty quickly after this, but. The NHL needs to kind of chill out or, or, or step in because, you know, we keep seeing these escalations um, of, of, uh, of, of, you know, trying to, you know, get back at, you know, another team after a player gets hurt. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Department of Player Safety – and you know, policing then players policing the game. It's kind of a conflict of interest. Because um, on one hand, you know, hockey's always been you know the players police the game, um, and now you have you know the Department of Player Safety trying to step in, tighten things down, so that you don't have these these you know escalations like we're seeing between uh, Minnesota and Winnipeg right now. Um, the question is, is when does the escalation end? And when should it end? The NHL, the NHL, PA need to discuss this with the Department of Player Safety because things got to change. The NHL doesn't seem to have learned from this 2004 incident uh, between, you know, Vancouver and Colorado. Um, I, I really hope, you know, the NHL does something here because of what's been going on. And maybe they can actually learn from, you know, the 2004 incident. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's all over YouTube. You know, uh, Todd Bertuzzi sucker punching Steve Moore. Uh, it's it's absolutely brutal. So I, I, I would suggest caution if you do go to watch that. Um, but I guess my question for you first, Mike, would be like, when should escalation end? Um, you know, like, should it just be, you know, if, if, if a guy hurts someone... They go, they hurt that guy only, and that's it. Leave it at that. You know, police it that way. Or when should the escalation end? Yeah, it's tough, man, because, I mean, there's so many different times where they could step in or something could happen. Um, You know, I think after maybe, like, this, if, uh, if a team retaliates and, like, then it starts escalating from there, that's when you got to, like, step in and kind of get the situation under control. But, I mean, it's a similar in baseball, too. I mean, that happens all the time. player gets hit or a player does something that the pitcher doesn't like, then someone throws at someone. And it usually results in uh, benches clearing, but nothing too crazy. But there has been some crazy fights over the years where, uh, shit just escalated and boiled over between two teams that just, you know, had a lot of bad blood. So it's very tough to say, depending on the situation. But definitely don't want to have an incident like you mentioned. I didn't even realize how bad that was. I mean, that sounds like some damn uh, old school shit right there. Like literally ending dude's career off of some shit, man. Like, yeah, I can't be doing that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is. You know, the Steve Moore incident, you know, is terrible. Um, but putting a bounty on a, out on players, obviously, you don't see that anymore. Um, but I I, th- I think, honestly, you just get your piece of revenge and don't let it escalate from there. And the refs need to do a better job to not let it escalate from there, you know. It, you know, but I, I think, 
you know, you got to let the players police the game. It's part of hockey. It's always been part of hockey. Um, so, so you need to have some of that in the game, but you can't just let it keep getting to the point like it is now where you got, um, you know, people saying, like, hey, you need to go and, and you know, injure this guy because they hurt our guy. Well, now they hurt our guy, so we got to go back and hurt another one of their guys, and it keeps it keeps getting worse yeah, and worse. It's going, yeah. And, and, and like you said, with baseball, you see it happen all the time there too is – is is someone does something a pitcher doesn't like and he just throws at the next guy and it's I don't think it gets to the point like it does in hockey but it gets bad at times in in the MLB too and um and so things gotta you know get situated with the MLB with that stuff as well I I think but it's just when is enough enough I guess you know. Uh, that's what the NHL, uh, NHLPA, the Department of Player Safety, they need to, you know, figure out when is enough enough, and get some better rules in to stop having these kind of situations pop up because it can get very dangerous very quick, especially, you know, in you know this kind of sport, um, you know, with, with how dangerous hockey is. So I, I, I think realistically. You know, it's something's gonna change. I don't know what yet, but I think you know the NHL just needs to figure something out here. Yeah, just figure something out and hopefully try and contain it. And hopefully the NHL will learn from the Steve Moore incident, but uh, we'll we'll see about that because right now they haven't done anything about it, and you know we're we're almost getting to that point now uh, with this you know incident with or incidents between. Uh, Minnesota and Winnipeg. So hopefully, you know, like I said, they figure it out. Um, obviously, these are, you know, division rivals, so they play each other a lot over the season. So things could get a lot worse um, if the NHL doesn't do anything. Um, so, yeah, that is going to do it, though, for us. Um, obviously, Tuesday, we're going to talk all the playoffs. Um probably get some more NHL, get some NBA into the mix. Um, real quickly, shout out Pistons. You guys are garbage. Um, <laughs> they, they, Yeah, that, that's embarrassing. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, guys, uh, rate, review, subscribe, help us out. Let us know what more you want to see. And we will see you guys on Tuesday.